0: hey everybody how you doing this is jason and this is jason root at the root health podcast where we go over uh everything from healing to performance through human movement and so this is where we cover all topics Medifit and human development so let's jump into our first uh, topic and normally uh for those of you who are kind of new to the podcast, I'll either just bring up something that I was talking about with a client. Uh, most of my clients, uh, you know, we deal with uh, in, in person, um, in the studio, on the table. Um, you know, we do medifit counseling online as well. Um, but, yeah, most of the time these conversations are kind of, uh, you know, just topical and conceptual um, while we're, you know, working with somebody, you know, doing our uh, manual uh, our manual work with them, um, you know, with that, you know, that stretch and stuff like that. And so these topics will come up. So uh, one topic that came up, you know, uh, with a client of mine the other day, he, uh, I told him, I said, well, we were talking about his gym workouts, and I was asking him what other stuff he did um, other than, you know, just training in the gym, you know, or working out in the gym. I sh- is that even a better, uh, even a, a better uh, term for what? this particular client was was doing and i said limiting your activity to training in the gym is like learning cursive and never writing a letter and i said, what do you mean by that you know i mean he, he kind of laughed because he knew what i meant by that but you know we wanted to go a little bit deeper into the concept and i said well the concept is that when you train what you're training for has to be transferable it has to be a transferable skill Um, If you're learning strength, that strength has to transfer to something. Now, uh, of course, you know, we have benefits of training to where your body is, uh, you know, your body is and your health is affected greatly. And so there's a transfer right away. But the problem is, is that in the mind, the mind doesn't really respond very well to something that uh, doesn't have a transfer effect. Yeah, so, you know, if you were a construction worker, then you went and worked out after work, you know, the next day or the next week or the next month, you'd see that your body is getting stronger and feels better and, you know, you've got less injuries and things of that nature. So the gym effect is much, you know, is much uh, greater to your brain than um, if you were to just uh, be, let's say, you know, a computer programmer you know, maybe you're a software engineer and you sit in a desk all day long. Well, then you go to the gym and it's like, well, what's the gym really doing for me? You know? So if you don't take what you're doing in the gym and make it transferable to what you're doing outside of the gym, then, you know, that can, you know, that uh, is just not going to affect, you know, your feedback mechanism mentally as well as um, you know, as well as we'd like somewhat akin to, you know, if you're sitting there, you know, learning cursive and practicing in a notepad on your own, you know, but never wrote anybody a letter, you know, at some point you go, Hey, why am I doing this? So that's what I meant by that. And uh, he thought it was a cool, uh, a pretty cool little topic. And he told me that uh, something good to bring up on the podcast here. So, all right. So, all right. So our second topic, um, you know, this is another one we're talking with a client about, And uh not training your body is uh like yeah. So this this was a client who wasn't training at all. You know, so everything we're doing with this person is for to to basically try to keep them mobile so that um they're not in pain all the time. Excuse me. So it's to keep them mobile so they're not in pain all the time, so that you know they're not sitting in their desk and going, ah, my back hurts. You know, or that when they get up in the morning, they're you know everything doesn't hurt. So there's all, there's no transfer effects because they're not training at all. They're what we would uh, call detrained when we talk about uh, you know or untrained. Um, untrained means that you've never trained before. Detrained means that you are um, you know means that uh, you've been trained before. You've been in shape before. You've trained for something. You know, whether it is to be in shape or whether it is to be in shape for a sport, something like that. Um, and but at the current time, you're not training or developing yourself in any way, really, at all. You know, and so you know, I told her, I said, you know, not training your body is like not getting your car fixed because you're too busy driving. And so, and, you know, she kind of laughed and she said, yeah, you know, and obviously, you know, we kind of get you know, we kind of get that concept, but you know, that's another one. Let's, let's dive a little bit into, you know? And so, you know, if you're driving around and uh, you know, you hear, you know, your brakes, maybe you're uh, you know, stepping on the brakes and you know, they're grinding. Well, eventually your brakes don't work and you can't drive the car anymore. Well, same thing is, you know, going on with your body. If you don't train your body in at least at the, in the areas that it needs to be trained in to keep it in health and uh normal function and injury resilient then eventually you know your your body's just going to break down the same way that your car would and so if you're not getting your car fixed because you're too busy driving it eventually you won't be able to drive it because you never got it fixed same thing with your body if you're uh if you're too busy to work on it on a daily basis in some way shape or form then eventually, um, you know, it's going to break down and you're not going to be able to do anything with it. And you're going to have to do a whole bunch of uh, restorative training. Um, yeah, you know, just like that uh, old car you got sitting on the side of your house um, that is undrivable. So that's what we mean by that. All right. So here's a rather, here's a kind of longer one. I have a client that was telling me, you know, his, uh, he was kind of telling me the scenario. And the scenario was his, his wife is, you know, really low energy, you know, and she's, she's high energy in certain things, but she's really low energy and they have a kid and, you know, his, uh, you know, wife would be, you know, kind of would disconnect sometimes on the days that they have with each other and go kind of take a lot of time, just kind of in the bedroom, sitting there looking at the phone and stuff like that on her own. Um, You know, she wasn't really interacting a lot, although, you know, when he would do those sorts of things, you know, she would get a little annoyed because she was, you know, having to do all the stuff with the kid and spend time there, you know? And so he starts talking to me about it. And I said, well, you know, there's a, there's a variety of different things that you'd want to cover in this situation. And number one is that, you know, the reason why we all need to train why we need to keep ourselves developed is to keep, um, metabolically, we want to have high energy. And, um, from a mechanical standpoint, we want to, uh, be able to move. So those are the two biggest things. We need to have some energy and we need to be able to move, uh, in this way, we're able to be useful to ourselves and to everybody around us. So, those uh you know that's basically the crux of all training we just need to be able to train to the point where we can you know keep those two things going so you know what i told him i said well you know i mean from a physiological standpoint what your wife needs to do is you know number one do something for a posture why well because most of the people who have low energy have bad posture why does that matter um, well, because when you have bad posture, especially with the upper body, the rib cage ends up being tilted forward and that compresses the diaphragm. Compressing the diaphragm has a feedback mechanism through your, uh, you know, through your ve- uh, your uh, vagus nerve. And your vagus nerve is responsible for, um, you know, what we call interoception. Interoception is the way that your body feels. Uh, So interoception, well, let's go over that a little bit. Extroception is our five senses. You know, it's touch uh, or feel. Um, It's your eyesight. It's your hearing. It's your smell. um, And so you get that. Interoception is the feelings on inside of your body. So whether you feel like you have energy, whether your respiratory rate is high, whether your heart rate's high, Um, whether you're hungry, whether, uh, you know, hunger pangs, uh, stuff like that, um, barrel reception, um, which is kind of how you sense pressure, uh, proprioception, which is where your body is in space, you know, all those sorts of things. And so if you're compressing the diaphragm, you know, due to, due to your posture, then immediately it's going to make you feel low energy. And then that affects everything else basically creates a cascade. So no matter what else you got going on, get to that posture. Uh, Number two, nutrition. So nutrition affects everything. So, um, you know, it's another one of those things that affects everything. I tell everybody that they need to start off with nutrition, posture. And then the third thing we'll get to is just normal uh, metabolic training. But, you know, so you need to get to your nutrition, make sure you're eating the foods, you don't drag you down. I found, uh, you know, carbohydrates, uh, typically your, are you know, more, uh, you know, processed carbohydrates and stuff like that. They typically uh, have that effect on me. Uh, it's not necessarily the same for every everybody else out there. But I said, so from a physiological standpoint, start off with posture, then you get to nutrition and tackle that. And then you want to tackle, uh, you know, you want to tackle the, um you know just getting active you know being able to do walks every day um your 10,000 steps that sort of thing 10,000 is a really good measure give or take i mean it could you know if you're at 2,000 right now then 6,000 is great um you know you don't need to be necessarily at uh 10,000 it's just a really good uh number for those of you who don't know how that number was come up with yes it was come up with you know it was the per- the company that came up with it in the first place was the uh, was a um, a uh, Japanese stepometer company, and uh, but it's been proven to be correct, um, you know, from a lot of study ever since that uh, stepometer company came out with that number. So um, just because it came, was uh, derived originally for the process uh, for the purpose of marketing doesn't mean that it's not a good number. So that's a good rule of thumb um and physiologically you want to try to hit somewhere in that ballpark so those are the three physiological things posture uh posture mechanics uh, your nutrition and just moving you know getting your 10,000 steps or the equivalent in some sort of movement could be swimming could be you know anything like that but then you have to look at the second half of it and that's where the psychological or behavioral part is. And that is going to be the part where this, uh, you know, gentleman is having a, you know, it's going to have a, a little bit more of an issue because we follow what's called the readiness to change model. So that's where a person with an addiction of any kind and, you know, a lot, all of us have addictions. We have addictions to, you know, carbohydrates or sugar or caffeine or alcohol or sloth, you know, and so just not moving. And this is being in a certain state, you know, addiction is just being in a certain state. So if you're not ready to change that state, you know, then, you know, you're going to want to see what you can do with that person to plant the seeds without trying to force them into that, you know, that next level of their ability to get to the point where they're ready to change behavior patterns in order to employ the things that we talked about physiologically. So um, you know that's where you know I tell you know anybody who finds this to be um, you know to be analogous to maybe something that they're experiencing with a you know family member or a friend or something like that that you know you never want to push them, you know, you never want to you know tell them that they're bad or they're doing wrong or anything like that, um, although you might uh, you know maybe mention to them how it's affecting you. but you know, other than that, you know that it's uh you know that you might want to go ahead and google readiness to change and i'll show you the i think there's four stages or five stages or something like that you know and they just might not be ready to get to that point to start employing action or they might be ready to employ action so you know they just haven't gotten to the point of actually doing it yet yeah and so you can start you know planting the seeds or you know giving them uh you know, things to do or doing it with them. You know, there's all sorts of things that, yeah, you're going to have to figure out for your own life on that. All right. And so let's see, the next one is, oh, I hadn't written that one down. So the next one is uh, due diligence. So we'll go ahead and... The next one is due diligence. So what do we mean by due diligence? Uh, And this is cross-related to another topic that I talk about called um called controlled obsession so due diligence is it's where you're doing everything practical without a significant opportunity cost to develop yourself physically you know or, and, and that's of course in this domain um you know if you would be doing your due diligence uh for your finances if you're you know saving 10 percent of your paycheck, and putting it into an index fund, you know, that's your due diligence. You know, that's the the best practical thing maybe that a person might be doing. So that's you know that's uh, due diligence in that area. Your due diligence for um, for the physical area, maybe just hitting those three domains of physicality that I talked about in the last scenario. If you want to get to a certain state, if you really want to change your physical state, you're going to have to look a little bit further than due diligence and you're going to have to look at, you know, really, well, you know, what's your goal? How are you going to get there? You know, you're going to have to have a controlled obsession about getting there. And then when you get there, maintenance is going to start employing due diligence. Now, what do we mean by controlled obsession? Well, you know if you ever uh, watch any of these super performers and stuff like that, these guys are obsessive. I mean, they get into it and they're 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 putting their time in. But there's inherently what we call an opportunity cost to that. There's something else. There's some other domain that has to be given up. A lot of them, you know, you hear this, you know, get up at you know four a m or three a m and do your workouts. Well, you know, hey man, you know a good part of being able to be physically healthy is you know getting your rest and recuperation. So if you're giving, giving up your rest and recuperation in order to you know be able to get in the work that needs to be done, then you know there's an opportunity cost and the balance gets you know tilted for you know for a lot of us other folks out there that might not have the same scenario as those super performers. So uh, that's why I say always say controlled obsession, meaning that you're going to control the obsession enough to get to where you need to be, but with respect to what that opportunity cost is. Uh, and then again, that opportunity cost could be time with your kids. It could be your recuperative time. It could be discipline. It could be like, like if you're trying to put discipline in on your diet um, and your nutrition, but you're also trying to put discipline in on, you know, how many workouts you can get done per week. Plus you're trying to put discipline in on meditation and all that. One of those things might end up having to give you know, everybody's got jobs, you know, stuff like that. And so, you know, you have to have a controlled obsession. But if you're, uh, you know, end up having an obsession where all you do is work out all day, you know, in order to get to a certain state, you know, then, you know, and everything else falls apart, then, you know, what are you working out for? So that's where uh, due diligence and controlled obsession, you know, kind of meet and connect. All right folks well uh, those are our topics for this week thanks a lot and I hope to yeah uh, you know, I hope to talk to you soon if you need to get a hold of me then uh, you know go to rh2 uh, the number two ps.com and um, you know my contact information is there you can call me email me you know whatever you need um, look forward to talking with you thanks.